Chapter Twenty Two of The Silent Battle by George Gibbs. Recording by Tony Oliva. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Smoke and Fire. Downstairs, Miss Jaffray entered her machine and was driven northward. It is not for a moment to be supposed during the weeks which followed Mr. Edgerton's party that Miss Jaffray had retired from the social scene, and if her rebuff at Phil Gallatin's hands had dampened the ardor of her enjoyment, no sign of it appeared. She was more joyously satirical, more unmitigably bored, more obtrusively indifferent than ever. But those who knew Nina best discovered a more daring unconvention in her opinions and a caustic manner of speech which spared no one, not even herself. She was, if anything, a concentrated essence of Nina Jaffray. A woman's potentiality for mischief proceeds in inverse ratio to her capacity for benevolence, and Nina's altruism was subjective. She gave her charity unaffectedly to all four-legged things except the fox, which had been contributed to the economic scheme by a beneficent providence for the especial uses of cross-country riders. She spent much care and sympathy upon her horses, and exacted its equivalent in muscular energy. Two-legged things enjoyed her liking in the exact proportion that they contributed to her amusement or in the measure that they did not interfere with her plans. But the word benevolent applied to Nina with about as much fitness as it would to the Tropic of Capricorn the motto of new york is the devil take the hindmost and it uh, feelingly voiced nina's sentiments in the world and in the hunting field she had always made it a practice to ride well up with the leaders and to keep clear of the underbrush and had never had much sympathy for the laggards there was a spartan quality in her point of view with regard to others which remained to be put to the test with regard to herself. The occasion for such a test, it seemed, had arrived. For the first time in her life, she was apparently denied the things she most wanted. She had even been willing to acknowledge to herself that she wouldn't have wanted Phil Gallatin if she hadn't discovered that he wanted someone else. But her liking for him had been transmuted into a warmer regard with a rapidity which really puzzled her and forced her to the conclusion that she had cared for him always, and Phil Gallatin's indifference had stimulated her interest in him to a degree which made it necessary for her to win him away from Jane Loring at all hazards. She was not in the least unhappy about the matter. Here was a real difficulty to be overcome, the first in personal importance that she had ever faced, 
and she met it with a smile aware that all of the arts which a woman may use and some which she may not must be brought into play to accomplish her ends as a matter of fact nina's mechanism was working at the highest degree of efficiency and she was taking a real delight in life such as she had never before experienced since the pot and kettle affair she had thought much and deeply had noted coleman van dyne's attentions to jane loring and her acceptance of them had heard with an uncommon interest of their reported engagement and had kept herself informed as to the goings and comings of phil gallatin and she read jane loring as one may read an open book their personal relations were the perfection of amiability they had met informally on several occasions when nina had noted with well-concealed amusement the slightly exaggerated warmth of jane's greeting and had taken care to return this display of friendship in kind everything added to the conviction that jane's love of phil was only exceeded by her hatred of nina jaffray and yet until this morning nina had had moments of uncertainty for the incident jane had witnessed was too trivial to stand the test of sober second thought and jane was just silly enough to forgive and forget it nina's visit to phil gallatin's office had agreeably surprised her for phil had made it perfectly clear that his estrangement from jane still existed but to make the matter doubly sure nina had decided to play a card she had been holding in reserve in other words more smoke was needed and nina was prepared to provide the fuel first she met coleman van dyne by appointment at her own house and they had a long chat during which without his being aware of it he was the subject of a searching examination which had for its object the revelation of the exact relation between himself and miss loring even coley it seemed was not satisfied with this state of affairs they were not engaged no he was willing to admit it but he had hopes that before the winter was over miss loring would see things his way his dislike of phil gallatin was thinly veiled and nina played upon it with a skill which left nothing to be desired to the end that at last coley came out into the open and declared himself flat-footed i don't know your relations with him nina don't care really you know your way about and all that sort of thing but he's going it too strong i'm tired of beating about the bush i know a thing or two about phil gallatin and i'll tell em soon it's time people knew the sort of johnny that fellow is oh i know coley you're prejudiced you've got a right to be a man doesn't want any scandal hanging around the name of the girl he's going to marry everybody knows of course that phil and jane loring were together last summer up in the woods and that 
Van Dyne had risen, his eyes more protrusive, his face more purple than was good for him. It was the first time he had heard that story spoken of with such freedom, and it shocked him. It wasn't Jane, he roared. She wasn't the only woman in Canada last summer. How do you know it was Jane? She admitted it, said Nina sadly. Oh, she did. Well, what of it? If I don't care, what business is it of anybody else? She suits me, and I'm going to marry her. He stopped and glared at Nina, as though it was she who was the sole author of his unhappiness. Nina only smiled up at him encouragingly. Of course you are. That's uh, one of the things I wanted to see you about. I think I can help you, Coley, if you'll let me. She made him sit down again, and when he was more composed, went on. You see, it's this way. I don't mind your running Phil down, if it gives you any pleasure, but you might as well know that I don't share your opinions. He isn't your sort. You don't understand him, and he has managed to come between you and Jane. But I don't see the slightest use in getting excited. These silly romantic affairs of the teens are seldom really dangerous phil's infirmities excited her pity his infirmities yes but jane loring isn't the kind of girl to put up with that kind of thing long rather not oh i don't mean what you do i mean that she isn't suited to him that's all there are other women who might marry him and make something of him. Who? he sneered. I, she said calmly. Her quiet tone transfixed him. You want to, to marry him? Yes, and I'm going to. Perhaps you understand now how we can help each other. By George, I hadn't an idea, Nina. I knew you'd been flirting with him and all that, but marriage, she nodded. You are a good sort, he grinned. Do you really mean it? Of course I'll help you if I can, but I hardly see. You don't have to see. Jane Loring may still have a fancy for Phil Gallatin, but it ought to be perfectly obvious that she can't marry him if he's going to marry me. All I want you to do, just now, is to make yourself necessary to Jane Loring. Propose to her again tomorrow. And then, with convincing assurance, I think she'll accept you. You do? Why? That, if you'll pardon me, is a matter I do not care to discuss. She arose and dismissed him gracefully, and Van Dyne wandered forth into Gramercy Park with a feeling very like that of a timorous hospital patient who has, for the first time, been subjected to the X-ray. Nina lunched alone, then dressed for the afternoon and ordered her machine. She had made no mistake in presupposing that Jane Loring's curiosity would outweigh her prejudices. In their talk upon the telephone, there had been a slight hesitation. 
scarcely noticeable on jane's part after which she had expressed herself as delighted at the opportunity of seeing nina at the loring house miss jaffray entered the portals of the vast establishment her slender figure lost in the great drawing-room as she moved restlessly from one object of art to another awaiting her hostess like a mischievous and lonely bacillus newly liberated into a new field of endeavor nina dear said jane effusively as she entered so sweet of you i haven't really had a chance to have a talk with you for ages how wonderfully pretty you look jane i'm simply wild with envy of you it was the feminine convention each pecked the other just once below the eye and each wished that the other had never been born jane led the way into the library where they sat side by side on the big divan where they both skillfully maneuvered for an opening for a while fainting and parrying carte and tierce advancing retreating neither of them willing to risk a thrust but at last the preliminaries having given her the touch of her opponent's foil nina returned you're really the success of the season jane and you know when a back number like i am admits a thing like that about a debutante it's pretty apt to be true but the thing i can't understand is why you want to end it all and marry marry whom coley oh you have some private source of information on the subject jane asked pleasantly none but your own actions nina replied coolly it's funny too because i've had an idea ever since that dryad story i've feared that you were rather keen on phil gallatin nina was forced to admiration of the carelessness of jane's parry mr gallatin she said her eyes wide with wonder what in the world made you think of him if i was ever grateful to the man for his kindness up there in the woods every instinct in me revolted at the memory of what people said of us do you think i could care for a man who would let a thing like that be told she hesitated a moment and then added besides there are other reasons why mr gallatin and i could never be friends oh i see nina said slowly her gaze on the fire you know i'm very fond of phil and though you may not approve of him he's really one of the best fellows in the world well why don't you marry him said jane carelessly marry me nina laughed softly up at the portrait over the mantel good lord jane you want to bridle me no thanks i've only one life you know and i hardly feel like spending it on the bridge of sighs my recording angel wouldn't stand domestication she's on the point of giving up the job already i suppose i'll have to marry some day but when i do i'll select the quiet elderly widower of some capable person who has trained him properly a well-trained husband may be a dull blessing but he's safe not phil gallatin my dear the girl who marries phil will have her hands full 
but he's such a dear so solemn so innocent looking as though butter wouldn't melt in his mouth and yet she paused and sighed audibly jane glanced at her and was silent i've never thought of phil as a marrying man nina went on the thing is impossible and i'd very much rather have him as he is but it does seem a pity about him because he has so many virtues and he he really makes love like an angel does he asked jane yawning politely but then so many men do that yes i suppose so but phil is different somehow jane laughed yes i gathered that at the pot and kettle nina glanced up and away you did see it's a pity i'm sorry quite imprudent of me wasn't it i suppose i ought to be horribly mortified but i'm not i've reached a point where i'm quite hardened to people's opinions even to yours jane but i confess i was bothered a little about that i am glad you don't care for phil because it would have been awkward and it might have made a difference in our friendship you'd have been sorry wouldn't you jane swallowed oh of course i would but it doesn't matter now whether you saw or not because i'm sure that you and coley understand i'm not sure that i do understand said jane with a smile toward the cloisonne jar at the window as a form of diversion i can't say that kissing has ever appealed to me but then you know jane you're very young may i say verdant it's an innocent amusement if considered so the harm of it is in considering it harmful you're hopeless little puritan i can't see how you and i have got along so well i suppose it's because we're so different yes perhaps that's it but i'm sure we wouldn't be nearly so friendly if we ever interfered with each other i'm glad we haven't jane darling i've really gotten into the way of depending on your friendship you don't think i've strained it a little today by my er uh, modern view of old conventions not at all for a puritan i'm surprisingly liberal i don't care at all whom my friends kiss or why it's none of my affair i'd hardly make it so unless i was asked to nina laid her fingers on jane's arm but we do understand each other don't we jane yes wonderfully i'm so glad that you think it worth while to confide in me i do you're so sensible and tolerant i'm almost too much of a free thinker for most people and they're ready to believe almost anything of me but you don't care what they say do you jane no i don't nina it wouldn't make the slightest difference to me what people said of you and this was the truth perhaps the first truth in fact or by inference which either of them had uttered 
so far so good honors were even each of them was aware that the other was a hypocrite each of them was playing the game of hide-and-seek bringing into play all the arts of dissimulation to which the sex is heir all is fair in love and war this was both under such conditions to the feminine conscience anything is justifiable nina had begun the combat with leisurely assurance jane with a contempt which fortified her against mishap the manners of each were friendly and confiding their tones caressing but neither of them deceived the other and each of them knew that she didn't nina had taken the initiative she had a mission and this was at a slight advantage for jane had not yet begun to suspect what that mission was she had made up her mind feminine fashion not to believe what nina wanted her to believe but before long she began to find that nina was mixing truth and fiction with such skill that it was difficult to distinguish one from the other the dangers of the social jungle develop remarkable perceptions in deer and bird of paradise but these defensive instincts are not always proof against the craft of the cat tribe if they were the cat tribe would long since have ceased to exist as a species other things being equal the stalker of prey has all the advantage nina knew that jane knew that she was lying so to gain her point she was prepared if necessary to use the simple expedient of telling the truth nina was leaning forward her chin in her hand her gaze on the rug you've heard i suppose this story people are telling about phil and me she said in a lower tone no said jane in tones of curiosity is it something very dreadful i'm afraid it is at least people seem to think it so it began with an accident to my motor and ended at a parlor heater a parlor heater do go on nina i'm immensely interested phil and i on the way home from edgerton's party you remember he went home in my motor i know people thought it awfully rude of us as the other motors were so crowded but it just happened so and we started home alone after all the others had gone we ran out of oil and had to put up for the night where we could unfortunate wasn't it we were miles from nowhere and not a gallon of gasoline in sight the farmer seemed to think we were suspicious characters but he let us in at last to sit beside his stove until morning i'm sure he was peeping over the balusters most of the time to be sure we didn't make off with the family bible nina laughed at the recollection a little more loudly than seemed necessary phil was very sweet about it all he was so afraid of compromising me poor fellow i really felt very sorry for him 
the farmer wouldn't volunteer to help us so phil wanted to trudge the five miles through the snow to get the oil but i wouldn't let him i couldn't jane it was frightfully lonely there the chauffeur was drunk and i was afraid you you were quite right said jane in a suppressed tone nina glanced at her and went on we sat all night huddled in our furs on the opposite sides of that dreadful parlor stove i don't think i can ever forget it i've never been so miserable in my life never we spoke to each other in monosyllables for a while and at last uh, i went to sleep in disgust i woke up with a frightful pain in my back from that dreadful chair what a night and to think that it was for this this that phil and i have been talked about it's maddening jane if we only had given them a little flame just a tiny one for all this smoke poor phil he was terribly provoked about it this morning he wants to kill that wretched chauffeur for of course the whole story came from him you know jane i discharged him as soon as we got back to town and this was his revenge sweet wasn't it it seems as if one was very much at the mercy of one's mechanician they're servants of course but you can never get them to think that they are i haven't dared tell father i don't know what he would do about it i'm afraid jane loring had risen and was looking out of the window into the gathering dusk what's the use nina she asked quietly the use of what telling me all this i understand i think i hope you do said nina quickly i wanted you to that's why i told you she got up and took a few rapid paces forward jane she cried suddenly what do you mean that i you believe oh how could you she stood a moment her face hidden in her hands as though the horror of it all had just come to her jane loring faced around calmly her face grave what difference does it make what i believe she asked nina looked at her a long while then dropped her gaze turned away and picked up her accessories her mission here was ended i'm sorry i seem to have misjudged you your friendship yes said jane i think perhaps you have nina moved toward the door and jane motionless watched her she did not speak again nor did jane and in a moment the door closed between them for the last time nina was smiling when she entered her machine but jane climbed the stairs wearily End of chapter twenty two